The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Business is changing, and new marketing avenues are opening up every day. WebmasterRadio.fm presents a show that brings you the innovators and trendsetters, taking us to a new age of marketing, media, and social business strategy. Welcome to Market Edge with Glenn Engler. Get ready to hear perspectives on social media and digital marketing that will help you gain insight into the unique opportunities and challenges facing marketers and thought leaders today. Now, now, please welcome your host, a Fortune 500 industry figure in the marketing and communications world for more than 25 years and chief executive officer of Digital Influence Group, the host of Market Edge, Glenn Engler. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Glenn Engler, CEO of Digital Influence Group, a full-service digital marketing agency that helps companies unlock the social potential of their brands and amplify its impact to drive business results. Today, I'll be talking about paid, owned, and earned media with Randall Beard, the global head of advertising solutions for the Nielsen Company, a global leader in media, marketing, and consumer information. Randall is a leading and award-winning consumer-focused marketing executive, speaker, and author with more than 25 years of global experience across consumer packaged goods, financial services, and high-touch service brands, including Procter & Gamble, American Express, and UBS. Over his many years in the industry, Randall has been instrumental in building businesses and teams in virtually every major market in the world. Randall serves on the advisory boards of the University of Virginia, Darden Graduate School of Business, and City Explorer TV, and is a board member at Starlight Media. In addition to writing his blog, Randall has authored articles for a number of industry outlets and contributed his expertise to the New York Times, USA Today, Fox News, and MSNBC, to name a few. He's also a frequent speaker at industry conferences and events. You can connect with Randall on his blog, Randall Beard, B-E-A-R-D, dot WordPress, dot com. It's great to have you on Market Edge, Randall. Welcome. Hey, Glenn. Thanks very much. So let's start, if you can describe a little bit, and describe and share for the listeners what your role is as Global Head of Advertiser Solutions at Nielsen. Sure, Glenn, thanks. So, uh, so as you said, I'm the Global Head of Advertising Solutions at Nielsen. Um, if you think about Nielsen simplistically, we measure what people watch and what people buy. And what Advertising Solution does is, is bring those things together on behalf of clients, be they advertisers or media companies, to help them optimize their advertising and media return on investment. So you joined Nielsen in 2009, and before that you were on the marketing side with a number of world-class leading brands like P&G, American Express, and UBS. What inspired you to shift from the brand marketing side to working in advertising solutions with Nielsen? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a great question. You know, I, I actually never, never thought about uh, working on the other side of the table, if you will, and uh, you know, a recruiter called me, and when she started talking about the opportunity at, at Nielsen and what uh, the company was trying to do in bringing what people watch and what people buy together, 
you know, to to deliver, you know, much, much more advanced and improved analytics for, for clients around advertising effectiveness, I started getting really excited. And, and, and it's a really exciting space to, to be in because I think right now there's more change happening uh, at any time that I can think of since probably the, the invention of brand management or even TV advertising. It's just a, it's just a really, really interesting space to be in right now. So you have the luxury of getting to work with a number of CMOs across a variety of industries and media heads. What are some of the biggest challenges that they share with you? Yeah, so um, when, I, when I came to Nielsen a couple of years ago, um, we partnered with uh, one of the major consulting firms and, and went out and interviewed a, a fairly large number of C-suite executives at major advertisers, agencies, media companies, and even some technology disruption companies. And, and we asked them a really simple question, Glenn. We said, you know, what are your biggest pain points in the advertising and media effectiveness space? And, you know, there were about 10 common themes that we heard, but there were three that, that, that bubbled up to the surface as being the most important for them. Uh, and, the, and the three were, number one, how do I figure out how much I need to spend next year, right? So I, ha I have a business plan, I have a revenue target, a profit target, but figuring out how much I really need to spend on marketing communications is still really hard, right? Second is, uh, how do I allocate that spending? If I know how much I need to spend, how do I allocate it? And that is, be, that is becoming more and more difficult as media fragments. Right. Um, and so it's, it's, it's more complicated than simply how much in TV and how much in digital and how much in print. You know, it's within each of those mediums, where do you put your money? And then there's all kinds of new things like earned and owned media as well. Right. And then the last, the last thing, the last big pain point um, is – Everybody now wants to understand how their advertising and media is working in real time so they can sense what's happening and they can respond to that by optimizing in flight as opposed to waiting until after the fact. And you know, I'll tell you a little story. When I, when I was in Japan years ago working at P&G, we launched Charmin in Korea. And we launched into the market, and initially the first couple of months were pretty good in terms of sales and market share. Things started going a little slower after that. By the time we got our tracking results and our, and our modeling results in, you know, around month six to month 12, it was too late. Mm. Whatever problems we had, it, it was too late because we'd already spent almost all of our money launching the product. And that's, that's no longer good enough. You know, what people want to know now is within days or weeks, how am I doing and what can I do about it and how do I optimize in flight? Wow. So how much to spend next year? How do I allocate it? And then how is it working real time? So give a sneak peek for the listeners some of the solutions and products that um, your group delivers uh, on behalf of or with your clients. Yeah, so um, so one of the things we hear from clients, you know, beyond the three pain points, is that people are looking for um, an end-to-end -end measurement system for advertising and media effectiveness that's common across platforms. Um, so, first, let me explain what I mean by end-to-end. You know, traditionally, when people think about advertising effectiveness, they might think of, of brand tracking or even better, um, you know, what's the sales impact of the advertising and what's the return mm -hmm. on investment, right? And yep. what we've done is, 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 is we've created an end-to-end -end model that includes but expands on, on those notions. So we have a, a framework we call the three R's, reach, resonance, and reaction. Um, and so let me just start with, with reach. So when we think about reach, the first question is, who are, the res who are the consumers who are most responsive to my advertising, right? And there are tools now 
to identify those consumers that are most likely or have in the past responded best to your advertising. Mm-hmm. And then importantly, where, where do I reach them, right? What TV do they watch? What do they do online? Um, and how do I build a media plan around that? So if you figured out who the most responsive consumers are and how to reach them, the second question is, are you actually reaching them in the market? Right, and in TV, that's that's something that's been done pretty well over the years. But in digital, there's a lot mm. to be desired. Right, uh, so how do you know that you're actually reaching the desired target that you want to reach? And we can we can now measure that on a daily basis, not only for a campaign in total, but by individual website to drive accountability and also optimization opportunities. So all of that is is reach, right? So let's say you're reaching the right people. The second question is, are your ads breaking through? Um, do people know that the advertising is about your brand? And is the advertising changing consumers' attitudes and opinions right. about your brand so that they're more likely to buy? And we call that resonance, right? And again, the news in this space is that now you can measure this in real time and you can make decisions in flight to optimize how you get better results. Right. And then the last R is reaction, right? And reaction is, is, is the advertising driving behavioral change? Usually that's sales. But it can also be things like, is the advertising driving people to go to your Facebook fan page to search right. for your brand uh, or other desirable, desirable behaviors like that? It's interesting. I'd heard the, the, I, I love the phrase reaction because I know in the past everybody would talk about optimization, which sounds like a very mechanical, let's start all over again. And you're, in your answers in the last couple, it's all about real-time urgency and immediate things like in-flight just has to completely transform not only the marketing, but from your standpoint, the whole the measurement systems. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll, you know, I'll, give you, I'll give you a simple example. Um, you know, we, we measure every TV ad in every show every day in the U.S. across about 70% of the viewing audience. Uh, and so we have about a million TV ads in our database over the last seven years. And so um, as we measure every TV ad in every show every day, um, we're reporting to clients uh, typically on about a weekly basis um, how their ad is performing. And importantly, it's not just how their ad is performing overall, but how much of the performance is due to the quality of the creative, how much is due to media weight, how much is due to programming, and how much is due to placement. And by disaggregating performance into those areas, you can actually make decisions in each of those areas to improve your performance. So here's an example. You know, a typical engagement might look like this. Uh, a client may put a new advertising campaign on the air. Week two, we might walk in and say, look, you're running two ads, A and B. A is performing really well. It's well above norm. B is below norm. Even when we factor everything else out, um, A is much better than B. Take B off the air and reallocate wow. your way to A. Right. Two weeks later, we might walk in and say, "Hey, you know, your overall breakthrough is trending up because you've moved your way to your best ad." Brand linkage is a little soft. So, in other words, the percentage of people who who remember the ad, who know it's for your brand, is soft. So why don't you work on editing the spot to improve branding? And so the brand group and the agency might do that over the weekend. They put it back on air. Two weeks later, we walk in and we say, okay, great. Your breakthrough is going up. Your branding is now better. What we're now seeing is that your ads are performing better in sitcoms than reality shows. But you have a third of your weight in reality shows. You know, look at whether you can reallocate some of your media weight to – Know, to the other show that performs better. And lastly, um, you know, maybe two weeks later we walk in and we say, hey, you're running 15s and 30s. Um, the 15s are performing just as well as the 30s. Why don't you move out of the 30s altogether and move into 15s, um, which is more efficient use of your media dollars. So 
you know, those are the kinds of things that we work with clients on, and that's, those are examples of what real-time optimization might look like. That's amazing. Gone are the days of the, to your point, like every three months let's huddle in a conference room and share the, um, the brand reports. You're sitting there literally, as you mentioned, with the CMO, with the media agency, with the creative agency, obviously an integral part of that, um, of that leadership team. It's, yeah, and I think what you're going to see is even even more extreme versions of this in the future. I mean, for example, I mean today there are there are firms that will optimize digital advertising based on click through rates and so forth um, in a very highly automated way, real time, where there's not even uh, you know a fingerprint from the client on it. It's just all being done on an automated basis. Mm-hmm. Now that's interesting for direct marketers, but I think what's equally interesting is very soon you're going to see the same capability in digital based on branding metrics as well. So so imagine that um, you know you're running a digital campaign and. Um, you're doing constant polling to measure the, the, the yeah. recall, the branding, the messaging, and all of those metrics by individual creative unit, by individual website, and then that data is being fed back into the, the, the uh, placement of new ads. Right, so you're figuring out which sites are working best, and, and it's au- completely automated, and the system is actually moving inventory around and placing your ads in the places where they perform best. That's 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 you know pretty much right in front of us. Right. right, that's going to be happening. TV, it's a little harder because the the back end systems to do those kinds of things aren't as sophisticated as digital. Right. Wow, that's that's amazing. Uh, so early February, and um, I know you're a Giants fan, and I'm a Pats fan, so we won't talk about the game. But the brand spent an average of three and a half million dollars or so for 30 second spots, and I know many. Um, many this year there were there were 60 or or longer spots during the Super Bowl. More and more the ads are integrating social in whether it's a Twitter hashtag or an old online channel or some drive to. How do you see that um, integration of social media impact and the way brands are thinking about using traditional television spots? Yeah, it's it's, it's a great question, and there's uh, there's a lot of interesting things happening in that space. So um, uh, first of all, let me just comment on the Super Bowl because because we do measure. Uh, a lot of things in the Super Bowl, and I'll just I'll share three um, three things with you that I think are pretty interesting. Number one, if you look at the audience during the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, um, it starts out at the beginning of the game, and the audience just grows gradually across the first, second quarter, halftime, third, and fourth quarter, and peaks pretty much right at the end of the game. Right, that's what happens with the audience. If you look at TV ad effectiveness, it actually declines through the game. The TV ads in the first quarter, on average, are the most effective, and they become less effective in the second quarter, less effective in the third quarter, and they're least effective in the fourth quarter, right? Uh, I was on, I was on uh, MSNBC, and they asked me about this, and I said, yeah, I think part of it is that people are very hyped up and looking for the new ads because uh, people watch the Super Bowl just as much for the ads as they do yep. for, the, for the football. But uh, the other thing is, you know, the Super Bowl is a social event, and it's, you know, people are standing around and drinking, and so it's harder to remember things later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the uh, the uh, the third point, and it relates to social, is if you look at buzz, if you look at online buzz, uh, it's fairly flat in the first couple of quarters, and then there's this huge spike during mm. halftime, and then it comes back down again in the third and fourth quarter. So one of the very simple things we've said to our clients is we've said, look, if you're gonna if you're gonna build a program around both paid advertising on the Super Bowl plus social. You want to be advertising in the first two quarters and driving people to talk about your brand at halftime. 
because naturally, when we just look at the dynamics in the game, you know, that's where ads work the best in the first half of the, the, the game. And then people do, do a lot of the online conversation socially uh, during halftime. And yet we had, we had clients that had tra- traditionally been advertising in the third or fourth quarter yep. you know, and trying to drive conversations, right? So that's a really simple example. Um, I, have, I have some other examples, but I'll stop and see if, see if you have any thoughts. No, share more examples. This is great stuff. People love hearing these. So go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so so another, uh, another example is uh, we uh, at Nielsen have a partnership with Facebook. And uh, we've done a lot of, of, of work with Facebook to understand the impact of social on paid advertising. And one very simple example is uh, when brands advertise on Facebook, they can just run a standard ad. So if you're on Facebook and you over on the right-hand side, you might see a, a small ad for Virgin America, for example. Right. Yep. Uh, you can also buy a version of that same ad, which is Virgin America, but below it, it might say, um, Alex Kovalevich, Randall Beard, and three other of your friends are, you know, really like Virgin America, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if you just look at the performance of those two ads side by side, where the only difference is one ad underneath says, these friends of yours like this brand, mm-hmm. right? We can see that the, the ad with the social layer to it performs significantly better than the one without social, which makes sense, right? Because we all trust our friends and family yep. and people we know. And, uh, and so I think what you're going to what you're going to start to see is more and more examples of where social and paid come together uh, in that way. And then the last example I'll give you is, you know, a lot of times when we've looked at at paid advertising uh, at, uh, metrics uh, historically, we might look at two ads and say, wow, they they perform pretty much the same, so these ads are equal. Now, what's really interesting is. Uh, in Nielsen, you know, we have a panel where we can look at not only what people watch on TV, but with their permission, we can also look at what they do online. Mm. And so um, we are able to look at people that have seen an ad, what percentage of those people then talk about the brand online, search for the brand, and, and uh, you know, go to the Facebook fan page, those kinds of things, right? Uh, very interesting. Um, in some cases, you will see two ads that perform exactly the same on TV metrics, and yet they, one of them will drive you know, much more desirable social behavior yep. online than yep. the other ad. So, so, uh, I think, so I think what you're, what you're going to start to see is more and more um, clients, more and more advertisers figure out how do I use paid advertising to drive uh, earned media and social, and how does earned media and social also reinforce and improve the performance of paid advertising? And, and figuring out that dynamic, I think, is going to be a really important challenge for uh, marketers over the next few years. And how do you start to see the whole concept of social search, if you will, impacting that, uh, that customer process? You know, rather well, I than... Think I, yeah, I think, first of all, I think... Uh, you know, all the research uh, to the point we've just been talking about shows that, you know, people trust friends, families, family members' right. recommendations right. about brands more than trust any other kind of advertising or marketing for that matter, right? So you, so I, I have to believe that as, as social um, comes to search, you're going to see the same thing, right? Yes. You're going to see that, that search behavior is, is going to um, differ and, and, and change based on whether or not people see that social layer and how that influences um, what they do. 
Yep, I think that's right. All right, so we're going to take a really quick break, uh, and then please stand by. I'll be right back with Randall and more of the conversation. We've got a lot of good stuff coming up. Market Edge will return in just a moment. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. As you know, being an expert at f <gasps> What did she say? Requires lots of practice and a great tool. Think you could use some help with f***? Whoa. You're not alone. Hundreds have used our tool to take their f performance to the next level. The language. Of course, we're talking about managing Facebook ads on Aquizio. Oh. Buy, track, manage, optimize, and report on media across all major ad networks. Visit Aquizio.com to get a demo today. Aquizio. Search, social, display, one platform. Just getting your feet wet on the internet? Then dive into our stream. WebmasterRadio.fm We're the coolest place around. WebmasterRadio.fm We're everywhere. We're back with more Market Edge, bringing you the best and brightest voices in digital marketing, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Once again, here's Glenn Engler. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Glenn Engler, and I'm here today with Randall Beard, the Global Head of Advertiser Solutions for Nielsen, talking about paid, owned, and earned media. So, phrase of the year seems to be big data. And if there's a place that has a point of view and experience in big data, i got to believe it's your world at Nielsen. And uh, you had a recent blog post about uh, called Driving Higher Advertising ROIs Without Big Data. And a really interesting point of view where you talked about how CMOs now have this explosion and wealth of data at the fingertips, yet because the explosion of data is so overwhelming, they feel they can't adequately necessarily measure ROI on their initiatives. Talk a little bit about the three concepts that you recommended using to simplify this and assess the ROI that the whole um, – you mentioned the reach, um, resonance, and reaction, but talk a little bit about the forces that are facing the CMOs. Yeah. So, um, so, so earlier on, as you said, I you know I talked about 
um, having an end-to-end measurement framework uh, across reach, resolution, yep. action. You know, a, a really simple way that I think about this, Glenn, is is that you know, reaction is the outcome, but it's a function of reach and resonance. It's almost like reach times resonance gives you right. the Right, so you really have to understand all three. I think I think one of the disservices um, that the research and analytics industry has done is to, is to create all these different metrics that are different across platforms, right? Because it just increases complexity and makes right. it really, really, really hard yep. to do an apples to apples comparison. And what I hear again and again from CMOs and heads of media and heads of research is comparability. Like, I, I want comparability hmm. up across platforms so I can really do an, an apples-to-apples comparison, right? So let me give you an example. Historically, the way people have mu- measured uh, earned media or buzz online is just, just volume, you know? So, okay, there's, you know, 20 million imp- people, there are 20 million impressions yes. of media out there buzz about your brand, you know, and some might be positive and some might be negative. And you look at that and you say, well, what does that mean? Is that is that like twenty million people each saw one impression, or is that one person saw twenty million impressions? Yep. And so for me, it's it's a much it's a much uh, more effective way to think about that buzz volume if you translate it into reach, right? So we can look at TV reach. We can say, hey, your TV reach among your target you know consumer group was eighty three percent. Yeah. Was twenty three percent. If you look at the buzz reach and it's 1%, then it's probably not that important, right? Or if your buzz reaches 50%, it's probably pretty important. Yep. Um, and, so, and so just bringing, bringing uh, the, the metrics in line across the platforms, TV, digital, print, mobile, um, earned media, as well as owned media, right? And right. comparable kind of metrics, I think, is one of the best things we could do to simplify you know this this kind of big data phenomena because what's happening is is big data is overwhelming people particularly when you've got a, a multiplicity of different metrics by platform and add to that what's the average tenure of CMO are you down to like 20 months or something like that it's there's even there's even more stuff going on so I, I love the concept of comparability that's huge um, you yeah, touched on, yeah. you it, touched on yeah go ahead sorry no I was just I was just going to say uh, comparability doesn't mean that you can't also have some unique measurements across platforms, because there are some differences, but I think that at the core of it, you need comparability. Completely agree. You touched, you just mentioned mobile. Will you talk a little bit about how you are seeing mobile impacting purchase decisions? Yeah, so we, um, we uh, do a lot of work with Apple uh, as a client, uh, measuring um, advertising performance on their on their iAd platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, one of the reasons that, that um, I believe that Apple selected Nielsen to work with is because we can do the cross-platform comparisons, right? Yeah. So we can compare the effectiveness of ads on the iAd platform to banner ad, standard banner ads or um, online video and digital or TV or whatever, right? And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think in general what we're seeing is that um, in, in many cases, uh, mobile advertising is very comparable to um, digital. I think the opportunity in mobile is is for engagement because when people really engage with the ads, particularly if it's at a, a time or a location that's particularly relevant for them, um, you tend to see even better results. You know, it's interesting when I when I talk to to clients about mobile. 
Um, for many sectors, many industry sectors, it's still fairly nascent. I think the the most excitement that I see is with the retail the retailers mm-hmm. in the world, right? Because they see the geolocational opportunities, you know, that mobile presents in the future. Yep. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot with with retailers the the good news opportunity of that, and then also the scary uh, am I the the um, you know, world's biggest showroom where I drive people and then we get the scan and scram where people are using their right. smartphones to find a better deal somewhere else, which is all of a sudden yep. disrupting Absolutely. the whole the whole model. Um, yep. Yep. So you have a phenomenal vantage point, what you just described across industries and, uh, and across companies about um, how you're really driving a very different pace and uh, level of innovation with, with companies. What are some of the traits from your standing, from your vantage point that you think a brand needs um, over the next five to ten years to maintain a competitive edge? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great question, and, and, and we think about this a lot uh, in my business because – the the world that I've been describing to you of you know measuring reach resonance and reaction and optimizing in flight in, in close to real time is a real sea change for people and, yeah. and any of the the marketing cultures uh, the people have grown up and they're not used to operating that way so there's a big there's a big element of, of change management there so I think that I think there's a, a few things I see happening so um, number one is I think you're going to you're going to continue to see a convergence uh, or integration of, of of paid earned and owned. So mm-hmm. I think in a lot of companies today there's still a tendency to think about them as silos, right? They're three different things. And I think yeah, over time the organizations that that figure out how these things actually work in complementary ways, you know, are going to be much more effective. So I think that's that's going to be one area that's going to that's going to be really critical for success in the future. Yep. Um, the second area is I think organizations have to redesign um, their processes and, and, and ways of operating that actually enable them to take advantage of all the real-time data that's, that's becoming available. Um, some companies are really nimble and quick, and, and they, they operate that way very easily. Others really struggle with that, but I think that's going to become increasingly important. Um, a third thing I think is I think, I think analytics – are going to become increasingly important because, uh, as as we've been talking about, I mean, there is there is big data. There there is more and more data, um, and I think so. The the analytic function in marketing is going to become more and more important. But equally important, I think, is the ability to simplify that down to manageable. Um, insights and learnings and things that can be acted on fairly quickly without being without people being overwhelmed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I think that those are all you know characteristics that I would look for in in, in marketing organizations in the future. It's really interesting because at the same time that there's this explosion explosion of data at the fingertips, the other thing you're 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 sort of counseling on on the two areas. One is you've got to have access and skill in order to tap into that. On the other hand, you also have to simplify it and make use of it as opposed to getting paralyzed by it. Which is a, really a, it's it's art and science working together. It seems. Yeah, and you know, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of of how things are becoming more more complex, right? Uh, if you if you take the same ad uh, and you run the ad in linear TV, or you run it in a DVR program, or you run it on a tablet, or you run it online, um, you get four different results, right? Mm-hmm. In the old days, when I was a brand manager, we'd copy test a new ad, right? Oh, we got a good ad, and but but the reality is that ad. 
performs differently by platform. And not only yep. does it perform differently by platform, it performs differently by website, by program, by TV genre. And now that data is available, right? That data is available, and you can use it if you're smart about using it. Now, having said all of that, Glenn, I mean, we have enough data now to kind of look at these meta-analyses. And I can tell you that if you're going to run an online video ad, um, almost always it will score better than the same ad in linear TV. Now, mm -hmm. sometimes it might be 50% better. Sometimes it might be 70. Sometimes it might be 30 better for breakthrough and branding, but it's almost always going to be better. So yep. that's an example of, of, of taking something that looks really complicated, like, ah, gee, online video is always going to be different than TV, and simplifying it to, look, you know it's going to be better. The only question is just how much, right? right. And, and so you, you can operate on pretty safely with an assumption that online video is going to, is going to work harder for you, and then um, you, know, you, you don't have to worry too much about you know how, how exactly how much that's going to be right right really interesting so one of the things I like to do at the uh, end of these interviews is just do a really fun thing that we call the speed round and what I do there's no right or wrong answer but I just toss out a couple of um, uh, technologies or or trends and just ask you what do you think and sort of first comments that um, come to your mind so um, let's sounds start. Fun. Yeah, so so let's start with the daily deals, the living social Groupons of the world. What do you think? Uh, skeptical. Because? <laughs> uh, you know, I I think I think it can be good. I think it can be good for some some local players, but I think at the end of the day, brands need to be built on product and service adv advantages and and brand equity, and not just deals. Yep. Okay. Great. Um, what about the uh, check-in phenomenon. Uh, I'm, I'm also a little skeptical on this one. You know, I, I think there's a, a group of people out there who enjoy it and do it. I'm just, I'm really, I'm really doubtful about whether it will ever get to a level of penetration that it will be relevant for, uh, for brands in a big way. It's, it's interesting. I've been a huge skeptic for quite some time seeing people check in at their home or the car wash or stuff that doesn't seem valuable. Some of the hotel chains that I've noticed starting to do a check-in where it starts to link to a loyalty program, all of a sudden I'm starting, you know, that could be something with the coupon loyalty. Um, if, it's, if there's something for me, I, I have a sense that may be an area uh, to start fueling some engagement. Otherwise, I'm completely with you. I, I think you're. I think you're. I think you're exactly right. I think checking in for checking in's sake and <laughs> being able to show friends that where you're checked in is one thing. But if there's something really in it for me uh, beyond that, I think it could be be more interesting. Right. All right. Last one for fun. QR codes. Uh, same thing. I think there's there's a lot of interesting potential with QR codes. I think the the, the question is, you know, will it ever scale to a to a degree that uh, is meaningful for brands and. You know, a lot of these things, Glenn, are to me about scale, and, and let me explain what I mean by that. Like, you know, I'm sure you, like me, you probably have an iPad or an iPhone, and I've got lots and lots of apps, and a lot of the, the apps are really, really cool, right? Yep. And so, you know, if you're a brand manager or you're a CMO, you know, one of the natural things you're probably thinking about is, hey, do we need an app? <laughs> First of all, apps, a apps have to have an objective and a goal and serve a purpose, and, and, and hopefully a, a purpose around serving the needs of, of consumers or customers, right? But but here's the reality, right? When when we've uh, when we've looked at app usage, because we have um, on-device meters on a very large panel of mobile phone users, so with their permission, we can measure exactly what they do, 
right? And when you look at the, the top apps, you know, the top apps are things like Facebook, yep. uh, Google, uh, weather.com, right? It's, it's, it's not like, you know, Campbell's Soup. Right. Um, and so, you know, an app is almost like another brand. And so if you're a brand and you're really going to launch an app, um, you know, you have to ask yourself the question first, like, why do I need the app and what's it going to do for, for my consumer? But also, can I really get it to a scale where it's going to make a meaningful difference in my business? And it comes back so to the good. point of reach, right? If you can only reach, you know, 1% of your customers with an app, yep. it's really that important. So if you're going to do it, you really got to do it well. So important. All right, well, unfortunately, we're out of time. I want to thank you, Randall, for being my guest today. And thanks to everyone in the audience for listening to today's conversation. If you have any questions or would like to talk further about the topic of today's show, feel free to connect with me on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Glenn Engler or on my blog, www.glennengler.com. And visit www.webmasterradio.fm at 12 noon Eastern Time on Tuesdays to tune into episodes of Market Edge. This is Glenn Engler, and that's it for now.